Decimated, defeated, and desperate from the events of Infinity War, the Avengers have lost all hope. Their failure to stop Thanos, the Mad Titan, is felt throughout the universe for five long years. But when Scott Lang returns from the Quantum Realm, our heroes have one last shot at redemption. Whatever it takes. Today, we assemble to review Avengers Endgame and look at the future of the MCU. I'm Jose Lopez, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. Welcome to Nerdcraft Nation. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about the now highest grossing movie of all time, Avengers Endgame, and what's next for the MCU. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host for this episode, Jose Lopez, and with me as always, we have Austin Hall. Hello. Brandon Kessley. How's it going, y'all? And Chris Walker. Avatar's not the highest grossing movie of all time anymore. Shocking. <laughs> and joining us for this episode is our special guest, Siobhan Nagarajan. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, thanks for being here, guys. And yeah, like Chris said, Avengers has finally beat Avatar as the top highest grossing movie of all time. Thank God. <laughs> I'm very thankful for this. All right, so now as we dive into now. our thoughts of end the Endgame, what do you guys think of the movie? So let's start off with our guest speaker, Shiva. What did you think of the movie? Uh, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Um, you know, and, and I guess the biggest thing that kind of was a welcome surprise to me was each time they did something that was surprising to me it still worked if you had told me nebula was going to be the main character for like two hours i would have been like what are you talking about but it worked you know i was surprised when hawkeye died instead of black widow but it worked you know i was surprised when cap is time traveling we see the final scene um at the end uh, he's gone back to peggy but it worked you know all these really surprising moments still worked as well so I think that was the biggest surprise to me, but everything worked. And it was just honestly as close to a perfect movie as you could come for, for what they had to do here. Nice. Brandon, want to share your thoughts? I, uh, I, I concur with, uh, with Shiva. I, I think it was a really, really well done movie. One of the things that I did appreciate was unlike in a lot of the other Marvel movies and like superhero movies in general, they tend to like sort of laugh things off and play it off and, you know, just kind of like, oh yeah, we'll be fine. This time we actually got to sit with the emotions and the, and actually let the Avengers and the characters process their failure and the scope and scale of that failure. And I appreciated being able to do that. And they did that for like the first hour of the movie. And it wasn't until Ant-Man came back that they really had any hope to begin with. But no, I, I really enjoyed it. I appreciated the OG cast was on their A game. All the the twists and turns. They really integrated um, Rocket and Nebula. Even Okoye shouts out to her. Even Captain Marvel for the little bit of screen time she had was was fine. And it just kind of gave you the this sense that they had this giant epic tale that they were trying to to wrap up, but they took their time with it instead of just rushing to the finish. Unlike some other series that we have loved before. We don't have to talk about that right now. Game of Thrones. I said we don't have to talk about that right now. <laughs> I was just coughing. I don't know what you're talking about. I was just coughing. Austin, do you want to chime in on your thoughts? 
the first thought I had was how often can we say that we're going into a movie with high expectations and it actually exceeds our expectations. From the beginning, you're glued in to an over three hour movie. Um, I'm proud to say that I did not have to pee either of the two times that I saw it. Nice. Well done. And <laughs> thank you. And the second viewing, I appreciated it even more than the first, but it exceeded my expectations. I, I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to blow me away, and it was able to do that. Uh, it was surprising that it didn't feel like a three-hour movie. I didn't feel too much drag in it, especially the second time around. So the pacing, the acting, the visuals, the script, everything was, as, as has been said before, they stepped up their A-game and they delivered exactly, they delivered more than what we could have ever hoped for. So I was thoroughly impressed and I can't say enough about how great it was. All right. Awesome. Mr. Walker, do you want to chime in? Yeah, I would love to. Um, first things first, fuck James Cameron, because Avatar is basically Pocahontas with giant blue aliens and weird robotics. So always going to say that from to this day forward. Never loved that movie. But, but furthermore, is- we're talking Endgame today, and I loved it. The second viewing really helped just making sure that you, I caught everything that was going on in the movie that I thought I might have missed. But the pacing made it so that you don't really miss much. Like, it's not a movie that just drags on and on and on. Its details are there, and you see everything. It really was beautifully shot. Every landscape in that movie was just amazing. And the only issue I had with it is its explanation of time travel and how that works. But you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. And they didn't have a physicist on hand to just explain time travel in a deep sense. So I can't complain that much. I mean, I can, but, you know, that's what this podcast is for and everything. (laughs) Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think I kind of agree for the most part with everybody. It it definitely exceeded my expectations. I went in thinking, like, oh, I know, I kind of have an idea of what's going to happen with the whole time travel thing. But the way they handled it it, with a such unique approach just blew my mind. And we all had these, like, great scenes that came in together and it just tied together beautifully, not just as a follow-up to Infinity War, but to all the previous MCU installments we've had before it kind of helped tie it at least for the main core avengers cast it tied it up in a nice little bow to see their stories come to an end like with tony giving himself up to save everybody else uh steve passing on the shield over to falcon so he could be the new captain and so that he could live out his life with peggy thor briefly joining the Guardians of the galaxy now and hulk i guess is kind of just retired with one arm uh natasha gotta gotta send off here it, Wish they would have done a little more with her, but, you know, she was a spy. She had that undercover life, so it's understandable, I guess. Hey, she saved the universe, man. Yeah. She saved the universe. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Whatever, and she whatever did whatever it takes. it takes, yeah. And Hawkeye's just back to being a retiree until he has to train Kate Bishop, I guess. <laughs> yes, Kate Bishop. I'm excited oh, for yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No more Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah, like a lot of what you guys said, like when I saw it a second time, I caught a a lot more things that I had in the first time around. Like I felt like, like with the first time I saw it, I thought like the pacing between the time we got like the five years later mark and up until they start doing the actual time travel kind of drag. But upon a second viewing, it kind of like, I was able, it didn't bother me as much. I was able to ease into it and kind of like let the characters go through the motions if they had to get ready for the next quest. Wait, Jose, Jose, what did you say bothered you the first time? Uh, The pacing. Oh, like, like, like yeah. was, it, was, was it just the fact that, like, none of the new, I mean, none of the snapped away people kind of came back until, like, more than two hours into the movie? Or, or what exactly about the pacing? No, no, no. I, like, what I was saying was, like, between the time where we got, like, that five years later mark, like, that time where they, like, killed Thanos. And, then and the time travel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then when they start, I felt like the movie just kind of dragged a little bit the first time I saw it. Like, okay, like, they're just, like, sitting around, feeling sulky, yada, yada, yada. Oh, like the scene with Professor Hulk in the restaurant and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, like the scenes leading up to that, like, uh, Cap and Groove Therapy and all the, like, all those leading, like, uh, Ant-Man, like, looking frantically at everybody, like, wait, where, where is everybody? Instead of going just right for his family, like, okay, is my family okay? You then see, I can out. see that, but, like, I also thought it slowed the movie down in a way that it made you sit there and realize oh man this is real like there are consequences for us losing this time and losing yeah. badly because yeah. we've never taken a big enough loss like they've taken they've lost a couple of heroes here and there maybe two or three oh, mm, one they've lost quicksilver and then war machine basically can't walk but that was a self-inflicted blow in a way yeah. hey they lost colson too okay and colson and vision but well vision is a part of this greater yeah, vision's part greater of this. loss yeah mm-hmm. well not really because vision died before being snapped away right oh yeah no, yeah. No, no. yeah but he, he's, yeah. he's still he's still a consequence of thanos though yeah, oh, I see, what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. I see what you mean. Um, now, it's interesting, Jose, that you say that because it almost sounds like, Brandon, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost sounds like the two of you had almost the exact opposite opinion there because at the very beginning when you were kind of giving your overall opinion of the movie, uh, Brandon, you were mentioning how, uh, how you basically felt that beginning part needed to be there to kind of see the Avengers kind of dealing with the consequences. Um, yeah. Whereas now, Jose, you're kind of saying that part was dragging. So, so yeah, that was kind of interesting to me. You, it almost sounds like you guys had two opposite perspectives. Well, kind yeah, of. I mean, yeah, I say that like I, I felt like it a little bit in the first time, but like in the second time I saw it, I like oh, I appreciated that scene more. Yeah, and yeah. like and like full full disclosure for me, my favorite MCU film is still The Winter Soldier. I've watched that movie a ridiculous amount of times, almost as many times as I've watched Star Wars. Yeah, and so one of the things that I noticed, especially because you know the Russos and Marcus and McFeely handled The Winter Soldier onwards for Captain America, yeah, um, is that Thank when Cap, when Cap was doing that group therapy scene, it reminded me immediately of the the scene in Winter Soldier when he went to when he went to visit Sam at yeah. the at the VA, and Sam was leading in group therapy with the with the veterans who came home and had PTSD. So it reminded me of that as like an homage to him. And that to me was a bit of foreshadowing later on for when he gave the shield to Sam because he was thinking about him and Peggy at the same time. You know what, uh, Brandon? I've been talking about this movie to people for three months and I'm still learning new stuff because I had never noticed that homage at all until just now. Yeah, man. That's they epic. thought this one through, man. They thought it through as much as they could. Kind of piece everybody's perspectives. Yeah. You know, talking about that beginning part, there is something that kind of confuses me that I want I want y'all's thoughts on. So at, at this beginning part uh, that we've been talking about, after we see them all depressed and everything and, and that, I don't know, beginning 15 to 20 minutes of the movie... There's a point when Rocket Raccoon basically says we had this energy spike and um, someone at, and he says like the last time we had an energy spike that was this 
a big or whatever I'm paraphrasing um, was 20 days ago. And then someone says, what was 20 days ago? And then he says the first snap. So basically that's when they know, okay, this new energy spike is the same thing. So it must be another snap. And that's how they locate Thanos. Right. So my question there is why did Thanos wait 20 days between the two snaps? You know, I get that we needed that beginning part of the movie to see how the Avengers are dealing with the consequences, but it almost feels like a narrative device to me and not really something that Thanos would logically do. I feel like the next day or something, he would just destroy the stones if he had no more use. I'm not sure why he waited a few weeks. Think about it this way, because like, look at how much how much it physically taxed him to use it when he finally did the snap. I mean, first of all, he took he took an axe to the chest from from Thor. And then he used the snap, and so that also damaged him. He needed time to recover before he could use it again. I think 20 days is probably a good enough amount of time for him to recover as much as he did. And then when he did it again, sure, he it probably pained him, but he used the stones to destroy them, like he said. Yeah, okay, that also, actually makes I'm sense. I'm going to point something out real quick. From the end of Infinity War, you also see, like the last scene, I think, is just Thanos sitting down watching a sunrise with just like a big open wound, his arm is just dried up and looking dead almost. Yeah. And he's just sitting there and he's like, ah, just, he just looks like he won a big battle, but he's like, I just sacrificed a lot and I just burned a lot of my own energy to get this far. So I think 23 days, 25 days is like enough time to like recover from getting severely wounded by an ax to the chest and basically almost taking a big owl to get a big victory in your mind. He said as much at the end of Infinity War. I don't remember. I think Doctor Strange asks him, well, what do you do after the snap? And he says, then I rest. So, oh. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's true. I, I, yeah. Okay. Now it's starting to, now that's part really starting to make sense to me. Yeah, I remember that, but I didn't really put that. I didn't really put two and two together with this gap of like one month corresponding to that rest. That, that makes sense, though. Yeah, no, he's gonna sit back and watch the sunrise in a grateful universe. I mean, I it's also can... definitely a plot device too. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely a plot device. I was just figure out how it makes yeah. sense. But it definitely makes sense now. Mm-hmm. I mean, even God rested on the seventh day, right? So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, All you right. are. All right, so overall, what were some of your guys' favorite scenes from the movie? Let's start with Chris. Oh, man, just spotlight on me. It's not getting hot in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, ta- I'm kidding. Uh, I really appreciated the return of uh, everybody's favorite shrinking Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, in this movie. He, I'm, I'm not calling him Scott Lang. He's Paul Rudd to me. The ageless, <laughs> ageless wonder. The ageless wonder. Good man. Good man. Uh, but yeah, no, his return the, when he just bumps out of the back of the van is amazing to me just because I was like, how is he going to get back from the quantum realm? And it's just, oh, he gets expelled. Cool. Cool. That, that makes sense somehow, actually, in the back of my mind. But yeah, that just... fight scene at the end of the movie, I feel like is just an entire discussion we're going to have later. So I'm going to admit that that's my favorite scene from the entire thing. And um, who's next? Let's see. Austin, want to give it a shot? Sure. Uh, going off of what Chris said with Paul Rudd's character, Ant-Man discover, slowly discovering what's going on, can we just take a moment to think about when he asked the kid, he's like, hey, kid, what happened here? And the kid just looks at him, doesn't say anything, <laughs> but with That his... kid shoots him such a, this motherfucker is dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you can also see just the absolute hurt 
loss in his eyes. Incredible acting for a kid that gets one scene and doesn't even talk. He, he should get a uh, he should get an Emmy or whatnot. Um, but that stood out to me. Whenever someone reunited, it stood out to me. I really liked when Spider Man and Iron Man hugged, and of course, I mean the with the Avengers theme playing and the Avengers assemble from Captain America leading to that big fight is you know my favorite part. All right. Uh, Brandon, one want to give your take on it? All right, so I'm gonna break this up into acts, just so I can um, point things out because I know we're like Chris said, we're definitely gonna end up talking about that final fight scene. My favorite scene in Act One, it's definitely when they go to see Tony. Actually, when everyone has come back and five years later, and they're on their way to try and figure things out, and then Tony comes back and he's got you know you find out that he has a daughter and is trying to move on. My favorite scene in Act Two is the the Captain America and, and all the jokes running around. Like that's America's ass. <laughs> like that that all that was just gold. And and that's what you have Paul Rudd in a movie for you guys. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like a tie between that and the whole Hail Hydra scene because you get that callback to the elevator fight, and then on top, and then you think that there's gonna be like, oh yeah, he's gonna do it. He's gonna take on on Crossbones before he becomes Crossbones and everybody, and he's just like, hey. Hail Hydra, and you're just like, oh, that reminds me of that comic Nick Spencer did, but like used the right way. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously the third one, I actually like the build up to the Avengers Assemble part, but again, we're going to talk about that whole scene. But like everything from you know Cap making his last stand to the on your left, I just that to me before he even said the Avengers Assemble, I just really appreciated that. Fun fact: Brandon cried when he heard Falcon say "Cap on your left." I did. I cried like a fucking baby. I knew it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not surprised. I cried like a twenty times in the movie. So I'm <laughs> crying in this movie. I let out a big sneeze during that point. <laughs> it was really bad, actually. <laughs> All right, Shaval, want to give us your favorite scenes? Yeah, actually, before before I forget, I just actually want to first respond to something that. Chris said when he called Paul Rudd the ageless wonder. I'm not sure if you saw this, but with all this face app going around, somebody was, <laughs> I saw this meme uh, somewhere where somebody said, I used a face app on Paul Rudd, and then it had the, literally the same picture on both sides. <laughs> I have not seen this, and I believe in it. I believe in it wholeheartedly. The man's, the man's a saint. You ever hear anything bad about Paul Rudd, you tell me first, and I'm going to investigate immediately. <laughs> Love that man. I'll tell you guys an off-air story real quick too. (laughs) Save you off-air. Okay, okay. But um, also another thing before I forget, when I was listening to Austin's part, I I just want to say that this is a little embarrassing. But when Ant Man first sees his daughter again after five years, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I did not have any idea that that was supposed to be Cassie. At first, I was like, "Who the hell is this chick?" And then I said, "Oh, it's Cassie." (laughs) And then I was like, literally, physically face palming in the movie theater. You know what? I had the same thing where I had this blip and I was like, oh yeah, it's five years later. Of course yeah, like, who she grew up a little chick? bit. Who is this chick? Like, she got another child? <laughs> Cassie. <laughs> okay, anyway, so so sorry, sorry for getting off track. Let me actually answer up. Uh... It's fine. That's what we do here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Jose, let me actually answer your question. So I would say for me, I have a favorite scene and a favorite quote. And I'm kind of not sure between them that I would which one I was actually call my favorite. It's all just say both. My favorite yeah, so quote, I think everybody's obviously gonna pretty much 
predict what this is, but it's obviously whenever Thanos says, I am inevitable, and then Tony says, I am Iron Man. That was just an incredible way to call back to the first movie that started everything. But that was my favorite quote, but I don't know if that was my favorite scene, you know what I mean? My favorite mm-hmm. scene was also an Iron Man scene, though, and that would have to be when he was talking to his dad in the past. Oh, um, uh, yeah. He introduced himself as Howard Potts, and it was Howard Stark and Howard Potts, and he was like, how do you be a father? And he was telling him his own dad how to be a father to him. I mean, that also, like many of the scenes, just really brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, man, yeah. that's a good point. I mean, a, a lot of the, one of the biggest themes in the movie, which I again I really appreciated, is is the theme of legacy, which is something that we don't really get in Marvel comics a lot, but we can get in the MCU because in real life people age and people have to move on. Having all the wrap up with the OG characters and getting to see their respective legacies, Thor moving on, Black Widow and Iron Man making their sacrifices, Hawkeye, you know, retiring, but also getting to raise his family, seeing everyone's legacy and and what's coming next for the next iterations of those characters was something that was, well, one, great planning on all their parts, you know, from Feige all the way down to the writing and directing, but also just in general, just acknowledging that, you know, you you can't be the hero forever. I mean, you know, Tony, Tony rested too, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. Got to raise his kid for the first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I guess for me, for my favorite scenes, yeah, it would have to be, let's see, in the beginning, I'm going to go with like when just like right in the beginning opening sequence when Thor just like killed Thanos right away. It's like, I went for the head. He did exactly what he failed to do in the last movie, which is like so great for his character because he kind of like, he was feeling guilty about it in that whole aftermath after the snap. Like, shit, I didn't go for the head. This time, I'm going to make sure I go for that damn head. So it was great to see him like, all right, I'm the man to kill Thanos. But then his reaction and then becoming Fat Thor afterwards is really funny to see like, oh, okay, this is how he processed that whole scenario and what came out of it. Yeah, it destroyed him. Yeah. Well, think about it like this. He goes, he cuts this guy's head off, and it does nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like the idea of you go and you do this big thing, and there's no reaction. Everybody's just quiet, and they look at you, and they're, he's like, I corrected my wrong. But did you really? Did you yeah. bring anybody back? Is is your brother back? Is your home back? No, you've changed nothing, effectively. Yeah, so Too little, too late. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, his yeah. spiral from that makes a lot of sense. Fat mm-hmm. Thor... I'm like 50-50 on that, for real. But like, I kind of get his depression and his real self-doubt throughout the entire rest of the movie, though, until uh, he gets Milnor and he's worthy again. Yeah. Yeah, and that scene with him talking to his mom was really, really big. That was very necessary. Yeah, I love that, like, these scenes of, like, them, like, the original Avengers reconnecting with, like, people from their past. Like, uh, Tony reconnecting with his dad. Thor reconnecting with his mom. Even Cap just saw, like, a glimpse of Peggy. Like, oh, shit, the life I could have had. And I really li- love those like key scenes, like oh, it like it makes them these like mythical godlike beings seem more human because mm-hmm. you can relate to them. Also, Nebula, she reconnected with her past self, her old self. Yeah. Yeah. And and speaking of that scene with Thor and his mom, if you had told me before this movie that we're gonna spend time in this movie time traveling to other past MCU movies, and one of them is gonna be wasted on Thor: The Dark World, thank you. I, 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 I would be <laughs> like, um, excuse me. But, you know, surprisingly, it actually worked because they cut out. They didn't really pay attention to any of the bad stuff that happened Thor in the Dark World. The key thing was his mother's death, and that was what they focused on. And, and so it really showed that, you know, when they're trying to make an homage to 22 movies, they're actually able to take things from every single movie, even some of the bad ones. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. 
Fun fact, Marcus and McFeely, the writers for the entire Captain America trilogy, as well as Infinity War and Endgame, also wrote The Dark World. So that's like oh, one reason. Oh, I didn't re- even realize that. Yeah, that, that's I, like that's one reason that they went back to it, because they're just like, hmm, we can kind of correct this. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I mean, sometimes you're going to strike out when you're at the bat. So, you know, yeah. at the plate. You know, it's funny because, uh, I mean, this is getting a little off topic here, but but speaking of how the Thor movies have improved since, obviously, Ragnarok, with Waititi taking over, and now, obviously, we got the announcement of Love and Thunder as well. It's still going to be Waititi. I was talking to my friend this weekend and saying, isn't it kind of crazy how if uh, one, whenever Guardians 3 finally comes out, James Gunn is going to be the first director that's going to be the same director for an entire trilogy in the MCU? Who would have predicted that? And then he said, until Thor 5. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. That's its own separate trilogy at this point. Those, that is true. Thor movies, they're just separate things. I, I, yeah. I've barely seen Thor 1 and 2. I have watched Thor Ragnarok about 5. Five to 12 times. <laughs> I own the first two Thor movies and I don't watch them. I don't own Ragnarok and I watch that. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> That's how you spend your money, sir. I can't believe they, I can't believe in Thor 1, they really thought that random scene, some dude with a bow and arrow you've never seen before, asking Phil Coulson if she, he should take the shot. Uh, I can't believe that's how they chose to introduce uh, like a major Avenger like yeah, Hawkeye. Okay. Like coming out of that movie, I didn't even realize that I was an Avenger. Yeah, I mean, that's how much thought that they've given to Hawkeye and the entire franchise to the point that he's. <laughs> getting a disney plus show because what did they really do with him that's the main reason they didn't kill him if you ask me because they I can mean, do something with him now yeah, yeah. well i'm also gonna put this out here this is post hurt locker jeremy renner too so that's a real wild under you post hurt locker and post the town that's oh, insane yeah. he was pretty good in the town I he was fantastic in the town yeah. the worst yeah. person in the town is blake lively and that's just all accent at one point <laughs> <laughs> I think that going back to the scene with Thor and his mom really resonated for me because uh, it was nice to see someone battling depression. There was a tweet that someone tweeted out that talked about how it's great to see that, you know, even though he was depressed, he's still worthy of, of wielding his hammer. And, you know, for someone like me who's suffered with depression since at least fourth grade, it's nice to see that another representation of you're not who you look like or what kind of mood you're currently in you're worthy because deep down you know people know who you really are so that's how i i really liked that part of it when it comes to the fat thor conundrum i'm really torn i think it's understandable that he would gain weight from obsessive eating because that's one of the ways that people sometimes you know, when they're depressed, they deal with it. Uh, but at the same time, undercutting it with fat jokes was probably not the best way to go. But we can we can talk about that more down the line. Ain't that no, the that, truth? That's yeah. Thank you, Austin. That was deep. Thank you. Oh, no problem. That's a good point. I'm 50-50 on it. I know that they tried to play some of it for laughs, but it was a serious thing that Thor was going through. And I know that in general, like it's kind of a meta commentary on the Thor series where he goes through all this serious shit the entire time and they try and they constantly make a big joke out of it. But you can slowly see his descent even starting from Ragnarok through this movie where, you know, first he lost his bomb. No, first he lost his hand. First he lost his hammer and then he lost his home and then, you know, he got it back. Then he became an Avenger. Then he lost his, his his mom. Then he lost his dad and his whole home. Then he lost his brother and half his people. And he's supposed to be their protector. And then so, yeah, 
all the pressure got to him. And, you know, like Austin said, he was eating and drinking and not really looking after himself. And playing a lot of, what's that game? Fortnite? Fortnite. Playing a lot of Fortnite. Yep, playing a lot of Fortnite. And yelling at Noob Master 69 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I was going to end it off with, like, my other favorite scene, which was the Avengers Assemble scenes, which I know we want to talk about. Wait, I know actually, I Jose, oh, yeah. Jose, do you mind? Can I, can I comment something about Thor's depression? Oh, okay. sure. Um, you guys just reminded me of a criticism, an actual criticism that my sister had of this of this situation, and I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with this, but but I thought I would bring it up because my sister told me this, and I feel like it might it, it it might kind of be relevant. So the one thing she told me she was frustrated with with respect to the whole Thor depression thing is that she felt like based on the way that Thor helped Valkyrie in Ragnarok, that she should have been more uh, understanding of his situation in this movie and tried to help him instead of kind of being pissed off at him. So that was interesting to me because I didn't really think about how, you know, she almost was in a slightly similar situation in terms of her mental state back in Ragnarok. And then, you know, she doesn't really come to his help as much as maybe she should. So I don't know what you guys think about that. I don't know if that's totally fair because she has her own stuff to deal with and she doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily her job to help him with his problems i think this could be reaching but i kind of got the sense that she originally knows him as this almighty thor and now he's the head of this town that used to be entire realm and he's staying inside as a shut-in so i can imagine there's a type of resentment and they've all and they never really seem to get along even in Thor Ragnarok. So even though they had a bit of um, a connection at the end of Thor Ragnarok, I can still understand that she would resent him. And, and that's a very human emotion. You know, not everyone can, can be understanding of depression and not everyone knows how to deal with it. So from my perspective, I, I felt like that was totally fair and valid. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know what else to say, but but yeah, that kind of that kind of cleared things up for me. See, that's that's interesting because I didn't actually take it as resentment. But if we tug on that thread a bit, you can't really help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Yeah. And you know, it's one thing if someone is is clinically depressed and that's a medical condition. It's this was something that Thor had to deal with before he was able to be helped by anyone else. And frankly, I mean, he had been ruminating on that and stewing in it for five years. After a certain point, he began. After a certain point, you know, when something happens, I know there are some things that are traumatic for folks, and we all deal with trauma differently. And so she, I don't think she was resenting him and like upset with him and like refusing to help him so much as giving him his space and then just taking on the duties that he was supposed to have because no one else will. So she kind of really just stepped up, in my opinion, and then, you know, just let Thor be Thor and, and when he's, you know, if he needed help from her, he would reach out. That's probably the way that she took it. But again, this is me. This is pure speculation because it's not something that's really addressed in the film at all. Even not even her the way she feels about things. Yeah, yeah. I think I kind of took it the same way you did, Brandon. Like she kind of like gave him his space because she knows she knows he's kind of like hurting right now. He's been through a lot of stuff. She's had her own issues, but she's kind of just dealing with her issues on her own by just like helping out the people in New Asgard. And if Thor were to reach out and for help, like you said, I think she'd be there, but until such time came she was gonna just let him do his thing let him process his grief his depression and she was gonna just try to do her best in new asgard 
And that's probably why he ended up passing it on to her instead, because he's like, you know what, you are already the leader. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, makes sense. She rebuilt their society when he was down, and he recognized that, and he rewarded her in a way for that. Yeah. And game now recognizes game. Time. Yeah, game recognizes game, and now he has a chance to find himself and build himself back more, I guess. And hand off me all near to Jane Foster. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mjolnir actually went back in time, everybody. No, 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 Mjolnir, Mjolnir did go back in time. That's why I'm... Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. We will get to that. I actually have a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Jose, you wanted to bring something up? Oh, yeah, so... Like, my last favorite scene was the Avengers Assemble scene. I know I got chills when I saw, like, they brought everybody and their grandma up to the plate to battle Thanos. <laughs> and from then on, the movie just reminded me of, like, the last Lord of the Rings movie. And that's kind of what it felt like to me. Like, Return of the King, but with superheroes. Yes. Just everybody coming together, big epic battle. And it didn't feel, like, crowded in a way. Like, they gave everybody their little moments to shine here and there. The little pockets of glory even had a random a force moment in there even though like half those women had never met each other before it was like all right girls get in formation girl power yeah yeah supposedly all protecting peter parker of all people yeah who maybe only one or two of them had met prior to nope just maybe one of them had met prior to that i mean if they were trying to do it all the way where was aunt may <laughs> yeah where's aunt may protecting her nephew y'all made room for howard the duck but not aunt may yeah i trash is this i totally missed howard the first time we saw the movie so i was like cracking up when i saw screenshots and then when we came back i was like yo wait a minute they really snuck him in the movie yeah they snuck him i in knew the movie. they would i knew they would somehow that whole scene that whole sequence of events is incredible i love the way that they did the music i loved how they you know it's in true cap for form like uh, it, it's it's like you know no matter what he says like no matter what happens you know i can do this all day but he doesn't even say it like sure he says it in, when he's fighting himself but like yeah. um when he's I facing down thanos <laughs> when he gets right back up he's bleeding he sees yeah. an army coming out yeah. and he's yeah. just like all yeah. right let's go yeah he yeah. straps his, yeah he straps on his shield gets back up and he's just like and, and he doesn't even say a word and, the, and he's just he's like if i go. die i die yeah yeah, yeah. If you get killed the, walk it off i'm coming back as a ghost for this you guys coming back as a ghost he's like hey man if the red if the red skull could do it so could i yeah <laughs> oh man who wants to be the person who tells cap that red skull is still around just as the soul stones keeper not me I'm already out. You guys see, did it, did it so quick. Yeah. I oh. wonder how that conversation went. Like, did Hawkeye tell him, oh, by the way, we saw this, like, creepy red skull dude. Did you know him, Cap? Dude, uh, he, ha he has to know. They've At this point, they know about yeah. the SSR files and all. They have to know yeah. about the red skull. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, they must have discussed it, like, when Natasha died and he had to come back and explain what happened, I'm assuming. Yeah, but I don't know that a description, a verbal description by Hawkeye would be enough information for Cap to realize who that was or that he was there in Vormir. Like, like let's be honest, like, mm -hmm. yeah, that was his main opponent in the first movie, but, like, I don't know that after all this time he even thinks that that guy could be alive somewhere. So if he describes someone, I don't know if he would, if he used the word Red Skull, then, yeah, maybe Cap would realize. If he just describes what he looked like or whatever and he doesn't specifically use the word Red Skull, like, I don't know that... A, verbal description would be enough and let's be honest when nat is dying and do you think clint is going to be spending like 20 minutes describing like he might just um honestly almost skip over that part i feel like 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's that true. makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But most yeah, no. likely, most likely, Cap found out when he was returning the stones. Honestly. Oh, when yeah. he has to return the stone. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I mean, he he found oh, out regardless. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, that must have been real awkward. Red Skull must have been <laughs> waiting like. Ooh, oh, he's gonna come back and... Yeah, he comes back. He's like, Roger, Steven, son of a bitch. Dude, by the way, that right there, what you guys just described about the ex- the interaction between Red Skull and Captain America is exactly one of many, many, many reasons why they never actually showed the part where Cap is putting back the stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw, like, the video that went, that I sent out this morning in the group of, like, uh, how it should have ended it a video of like how Cap should have yeah 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 because yeah. <laughs> yeah he was he was missing a lot of key components when he was putting that he needed like Loki scepter back because that's where the Mind Stone was he needed the he basically orb. needed to super glue like the Tesseract back because they had to crack that open to get like the stone out uh, the orb where uh, Quill got that from I forgot what the planet name was Morgor. Yeah, I forget um, the planet name as well, yeah. Yeah, but, like, even Quill, like, Star-Lord had to, like, open it with... Was it Xandar? No, it wasn't I think Xandar. it was on Xandar. No, it was... You know like, you guys, let's just leave that for the fact check, okay. honestly. Leave yeah. it for the fact yes, check, sir. okay. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Star-Lord had to open it with, like, a now. special device, and if Steve would have just tried to put it, like, okay, here you go, he would have burned his hand. Because Nebula had, like, when she got it out, she, like, burnt her hand oh, getting yeah. it out in this movie. Well, wait, didn't wouldn't didn't it go down as soon as the orb was removed, though? What do you mean, go down? Like, like, oh, like, like, the, defense, like the defense is deactivated once once they removed the, the Infinity Stone. So I think if he puts it back, it'll just reopen up after he's done. Oh, oh, oh that's oh, plus, okay. Yeah, plus, I do have a theory about the order in which he, he put things back. We can talk about it a little later if you want, if we have you, time. Well, you know what? You can bring it while it's up. Let us know your theory. All right. So I think I think he did it in this order. I think he took the Soul Stone back first, and then he took the Power Stone back because those are both in the same year. And that oh, if he takes the Power Stone back and he knows that he has a defense system, he can use the power of Mjolnir to protect himself. Okay. After, after that, he takes the Reality Stone back to 2013. In the okay. Yeah. So like reinject Jane Jane Foster. Like, hey, come here. I need to stick you with something. Pretty much. <laughs> and then he goes back. Then he goes back to 2012. Takes back the Time Stone and the Mind Stone. And then he goes back to the 1970s to take back the test to take back the Tesseract because yeah, it, yeah take back the Tesseract. And uh, then he goes from there. He just goes to Peggy. I think. Unless he, I mean, he he could stay in the seventies or he could go to the forties. But either way, he he goes to Peggy after the test. Yeah, ride. because he can effectively still time travel because he has yeah. the device. Wait a second, I just realized something. Yeah. What about the pin particles that they took from the seventies? <laughs> I think they took enough. <sighs> no, 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 no! I don't mean they took enough or not. I mean they I straight mean... up just took the pin particles. Yeah. No, 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 no! That's not what I mean. Hold on, hold on. I mean the fact. Oh that no! I just realized that. <laughs> It's not just the uh, oh exactly yeah yeah because it's not just the Infinity Stones that need to be returned it's everything else that's why he also took Mjolnir as well but it wasn't just you know the Infinity Stones and Mjolnir there's an A thing they took from the past and that was called the freaking Pym particles I don't understand how taking those out of the seventies randomly doesn't affect everything in the future as well maybe, maybe they were able maybe to it does back. yeah well it, maybe it, it does. affected but in that universe but they used them how could they return them if they used them. No, that, that's well, what I'm saying. Maybe it does affect it. Maybe that's something that they're going to tackle. Actually, well, uh, yeah, Ant-Man 3 or something. Actually, can I point something out real quick? Uh, yeah. 
doesn't Dr. Pym come back, so couldn't they just make more Pym particles and then return those back? Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. That okay. is true. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But you have You're to right. counterbalance everything. So that's Sure, sure. That's, that's possible to counterbalance. That. Yeah. Well, but, like, we have more movies to see, so maybe, and TV shows, which we'll talk about soon. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Ant-Man 3 will happen in Phase 5. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Also, I think during that time travel, that's when Cap gets the shield back since his was destroyed. True. And then he brings it back with him to to give to Sam. Oh, right. His was destroyed. Wow. And yeah, it, it, like I wondered about that, like all like the missing components that happened in that second timeline. Because, okay, Thor took Mjolnir back with him. So that the Thor in that universe no longer has Mjolnir. He does. No, no, no. Because he returned Mjolnir, dude. At the end, Cap oh, he did. Oh, okay. He yeah. Back. yeah, he took Mjolnir yeah. with him. He's holding one hand with a briefcase and one hand and the briefcase has all six infinity stones and the other hand of cat is holding mjolnir oh okay he put that back too okay yeah um and that's actually why it had to be cat because besides thor and and cap those are the only two people who hold mjolnir so it had to be cat to go back true because thor was going off world with the guardians yeah i mean i'm sure if they recruited thor and told you're the only guy who can do this he would have listened but it worked that that cap was able to yeah but sometimes you need a humble man to do the job you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so is the timeline uh where cap comes back and sits on a bench is that the main timeline i think that's the I main mean, timeline yeah, yeah. At yeah. this point, yeah. I mean, we'll I mean, figure out what happens with Loki and his own separate timeline soon enough. Well, by the way, they did confirm at Feige did confirm this weekend that 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 Loki from this movie is the Loki in the Loki show. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're 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 gonna get to that though. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But in terms of whether this is the main timeline or not, I think it has to be just based on the Spider-Man movie we just saw, because you know Nick Fury. Although now I am a little confused because that Nick Fury was a scroll, but. But Nick Fury does have the conversation with Spider-Man where he says, we saw each other at the funeral. And that that confirms right there that the funeral we saw has to be the same timeline as Spider-Man. I mean, as the next movie after it, which is Spider-Man. So I, I think that conversation about the funeral kind of confirms that what we saw is the main timeline, basically. Yeah. Not yeah, necessarily. It's actually a good way to frame that in and around itself right there. Yeah. Not necessarily because Jose showed us an infographic that theorizes that Cap is coming back to an alternate universe because he doesn't use the same portal to come back he just ends up on a bench yay more time travel issues yeah. yeah yeah there's that whole theory of whether like cap went back with peggy in timeline two and then just came back to timeline one to give uh sam the shield or if he did live out his days in timeline one was like on the like on the down low the whole time just let his other self do all the avenging and he just lived out his days with peggy for the record, yeah. though, I think that th everyone involved with MCU considers the main timeline the main timeline, but it's possible that they just didn't figure out the logistics of that. It's also possible that they kind of thought of that, but they were like, the scene is worth it more than logic. Right. Yeah, it could be something like that, poetic license. Mm -hmm. All right, so for the interest of time... Anybody else have any final thoughts on the movie before we get to the ranking? Oh, the ranking. I don't know. I... All right. So in that case, we'll go off with the ranking. Uh, I'll give my ranking. I would put it at a 9.5 out of 10 for me. It had everything I was looking for. Yeah, the time travel things are kind of a little bit of an issue that it kind of makes it slightly confusing, but not enough that it takes my enjoyment out of the movie. So I put it at a solid 9.5 out of 10. 
Uh, Austin, want to give us your ranking? I'm going to go 9.8. Okay. Um, I think that the MCU is going to continue to give us bigger and better things, so that's why I'm not ready to go to 10 quite yet. But in my opinion, it's the best MCU movie. It had every character. This uh, movie is a movie I'm going to go back to again and again and again. And only Winter Soldier is even close, in my opinion. Uh, But I I, I put Endgame at at, at a 9.8. All right. Uh, Shaval, want to give us your ranking? Well, this is the first time I've said this for an MCU movie. But I actually am going to kind of uh, take that leap and and say for me this was a 10. Um, I don't know if I'll ever say that again for an MCU movie. And maybe if I end up doing it, maybe I'll have to adjust this in the future to, to below 10. But for now, I am going to say this was pretty much as close to perfect as they could have done with everything they had to do for this. Right. Damn. Brandon, want to give us your ranking? Wow. So I'm going to feel like the dismal one here. I really enjoyed and appreciated the movie and I loved almost everything that I saw. And I think taking the entirety of the MCU into account, this was a this was a damn good superhero movie in top five MCU movie, if not top three MCU movie. But I give it an 8.5. And I say that because one of the things for me is that a story needs to be able to stand on its own without having to rely too much on outside entities and i think that's where this movie falls flat if you haven't seen most of the other ones it's they're able to to sidestep a little bit of it with the time travel bits and kind of give you what you need to know but like obviously you can't pick this one up and like have this be like your entry point to the mcu of course and that's not what its intention is but you know, as part of a series, definitely great. But, you know, 8.5 is not a bad rating at all. I think it's still a solid movie. And, you know, mm-hmm. it does does what it does very well. You know, and, you know, visually stunning, technically sound. The music was great. The sound mixing, all that, all those, those aspects. The acting was good. But, yeah, I think just the, the, just the story craft, the, the Herculean task of connecting 20, 21 other movies because this was 22 they did it it's just that you feel the weight of that that this is the culmination of those 21 movies up in, up in this 22nd episode out of the infinity saga yeah well said chris what about your ranking jesus i didn't realize brandon was such a nihilist uh. <laughs> <sighs> i didn't I'm gonna, what, what did I say the last time we talked about this? Like a 9.4? Yeah, I'll stand by a 9.4. It's not Moonlight. It's not the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> not airplane, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, I really love this movie. I think that it actually is a perfect ending to a series. And I actually agree with Brandon on that. If this is your first entry into this series, then you're doing it wrong. But at the same time, if you're watching this as your first entry you effectively yeah you're doing it wrong like you need to go back and watch it like you can enjoy this movie to a certain degree but you're going to be lost so that's a you problem not a me problem <laughs> <Well said. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I think overall, like I, Brandon, ironically, I had the same issue with Infinity War more than with this movie because I feel like if I pick that movie up, it's like, oh, okay, well, what the hell is going on? Because in that one, they kind of just jump right into things, no explanation whatsoever. And yeah, you're yeah, if you're watching this movie as your entry point to the MCU, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> like this should be the last movie you see. Like yeah. if they don't make another Avengers movie, I'm fine. This was a great conclusion. This wrapped up everybody's main arc. It it had awesome moments, epic battle scenes. I'm fine if we don't get another Avengers movie for a long time now. Yeah, I don't want Avengers five. I'm just gonna say this squarely, straight up. Well, Didn't I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I want. I want Young Avengers with Ooh. <laughs> Young Avengers. <Ooh>. With, <laughs> with I have some theories on that. Uh, 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 Do you uh, want a Young Vision or an Iron Lad? Kate Bishop and and Morgan Stark and Peter Parker and all these people. That would be what I want. Uh, some some of those I might uh, might not be around, but we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> hey everyone, hope you've enjoyed our show so far. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our other podcast, Scraptitude hosted by Tim Lewis and Jeff Akins. If you're a fan of boxing, mixed martial arts, or both, Scraptitude is the show for you. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Scraptitude, and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or your podcast app of choice. Now, back to the show. So as we segue into our next topic, what's, what's after the end game? What's, what comes next? So over the past weekend, we had Comic-Con roll up with the announcements for the next phase of the MCU and with that we got the announcements of a couple movies I think five total we have Black Widow which will take place in between uh, Captain America Civil War and Infinity War and also have flashbacks to Black Widow's past and, and Budapest and Budapest yes we'll finally learn what happens in Budapest oh I didn't actually know that that's the timeline for that that's interesting yeah yeah, that is the timeline yeah it's official and, at this point yeah and then we also have the Eternals coming up with a very diverse cast. Um, we have Richard Madden from Game of Thrones coming back. The original Rob Stock, King of the Nath. And <laughs> Angelina Jolie's popping up. Kumail Nanjani from Silicon Valley. Uh, oh, Paperboy. What's his real name? Paper Ryan Terry Henry. Paperboy. Right. All about that Paperboy. Paperboy. Yeah. Paperboy. All about that Paperboy. And I think a few other newcomers. So that'll be interesting how Selma they handle Hayek. the yeah, oh, Selma Hayek. Hayek. Yeah. Right. yeah, unknown actress Selma Hayek. And Selma Hayek. Yeah, that's right. And let's see. We also have for movies, we also have Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse, which will tie into the wandavision show from disney plus uh what? jose i'm not sure if you're going in chronological order but i'm not i'm just listening in the oh okay, okay okay yeah jump around. <laughs> right now we also, yeah we also have the falcon and the winter soldier show that'll come out early i believe with falcon and winter soldier coming back and daniel Bruhl coming back as zemo with a more comic accurate costume this time around than what he got Ebony in Ebony Making sweet harmony. <laughs> Let's see. We also have the Hawkeye show, which we'll see Hawkeye pass the bow and arrow down to Kate Bishop. Maybe this is how Catherine Langford winds up in the MCU. Who knows? Yeah. She got cut out of Endgame. Maybe she'll re-enlist as Kate Bishop. I really hope she doesn't find her way onto this. <laughs> what? You didn't love her in that love simon movie i watched and i actually really liked season one of um the name of that 
three right. episodes. Why. Yeah, and then three episodes into season two, was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, no, that's a, <laughs> that's an accurate description. It's a very. I didn't make a show worse than Degrassi. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Are we yeah. talking about are we talking about the Degrassi that I shamelessly would watch on Netflix? I think it was like the new generation or whatever. Yeah, next. new generation Degrassi is terrible. Hey, whatever it takes. No, 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 okay. God no. Okay, he's in the original. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a longer story than that. Okay. But like Degrassi in the new generation is Drake. The uh most recent runs of Degrassi are trash bad. Like, there's yeah, no laughing at itself at the end of the day, you know? They should yeah. just rename it Tone Deaf. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jose, I have a question. Yep. Are we going to get back to recapping the, <laughs> the comic con? Yeah. Instead of talking yep, about okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I might get deep. <laughs> All right, Shiva. So, let's see. The other, let's see. What other moves have we had? Okay, so, yeah. Doctor Strange into the multiverse, which will tie into the WandaVision show, which Vision will come back somehow and introduce an adult version of Monica Rambeau into the MCU. A.K.A. Photon. A.K.A. Photon. And potentially Captain Marvel, because I know she took on the mantle of one pole in the comics. And she's mm-hmm. being played by Tiana Paris. Yeah. Mad Men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And let's see. The- and Survivor's Remorse. Oh, yeah. Very underrated. I forgot about that. That's a good show, but we'll talk about that off air. Yeah, that's an off air conversation. We got a lot of off air conversations. <laughs> yeah, we're also getting a what if animated series. Fuck yes. Was... <laughs> and, and Jeffrey and, Wright is going to play the Watcher. Yeah, and Fuck we're based from what we saw at Comic Con. Basically, it seems that we're going to get the same kind of stories from the past MCU films, but with a twist, like what if Peggy Carter had become like the super soldier and things of that nature. So a yep. little interesting twists here and there. Mm-hmm. We're also going to get Thor, Love and Thunder, with Natalie Portman coming back, not only as Jane Foster, but as the new Mighty Thor, which we all oh. assume that, I guess the Guardians are just going to drop Thor back off on Earth, and we'll just see like, hey, Jane, I'm dealing with some shit right now, so here's Meow Meow. Here you go. You can be the new Thor now. I actually have a question about this. Or really about Thor as a whole that someone I hope can answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. How deep of a villain catalog does Thor have? Is it just like usurpers? Is it more... I feel like he has a, maybe a few good ones left. Like the Enchantress who hasn't come in. Oh, yeah, she got replaced by Hela. That's true. Yeah. And I forgot there was like one other one with a random name, like Mangog, I think, is one that's in the comics, but it's up to no good. All right. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, they can probably just pull from like Norse mythology, honestly. But Mm. also, yeah, no, that's a good question to ask. I'm not as versed in Thor's rogues gallery as some of the other heroes. Yeah, Enchantress would be my next guess, unless yeah. I haven't read any of like the Jane Foster as Thor comics, but I don't know if she has her own villains, or is she just fighting regular Thors? She fought a so, mixture. Okay. She fought a mixture. I read like maybe the first half of the run for a while. I don't remember the original villains, gotcha. um, but there, was a, there were a couple of villains that were from other parts of Marvel that she fought. Yep. 
and we're also getting Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which will introduce the first, I think, Asian-led Marvel superhero movie, and we'll actually get the real Mandarin this time around, not the crap fake version that we got in Iron Man 3, but a real <laughs> not, one. Not, not Trevor Slap. Not Ben Kingsley? <laughs> not Ben Kingsley. <laughs> Isn't this the first Asian-led superhero movie ever? Yes, it is, Austin. Yeah, I th- from a major studio, yeah. Yeah, I wonder about that just because I think the first Asian-led Hollywood superhero film, because I think a lot of there, a lot of like there, there are Asian movies that have been made, obviously in Asia, mm-hmm. that have been superheroes. But I think this is the first one based on like an American superhero. Yeah. Yeah, and and you got. I actually had, didn't hear of the actor Simu Liu. I had never heard of him until until this weekend. But did you guys see that back in 2017, he tweeted at Marvel, being like 2018. Let's, uh, 2018. Sorry, let, let's let's do a uh, you oh. know Asian American. Oh, superhero. he has a bunch of tweets like that. Yeah, about wanting to be Shang Chi, about wanting an Asian American superhero going. I think from 2016 yeah. onward, and he like replied to a bunch of them over the weekend, just being like, "Oh shit." Um, yeah, thank God someone saw this. Just things yeah. like that. Well, it paid off in the end because he yeah. got the role. So, so what do you uh, do? Any of you guys know about him? Because you know, besides these funny tweets, I've actually not heard of him. What's he been in before? Um, I think he's on a Canadian show called Kim's Convenience. That's actually really funny. Oh, interesting. Like it's a. I'm assuming it's, it's, a, it's on, a comedy um, about a convenience store. Yes. Is it kind of like a <laughs> store? No, no. I'm trying to remember what channel. It on oh no it's on um netflix you can find it on netflix very easily cool oh, okay. but i don't remember who he plays on it honestly yeah i gotta I check it out play the brother it's funny i've seen a couple episodes and he's also canadian as well from toronto like someone we know hey <laughs> yeah drake you guys drake <laughs> six 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 and <laughs> so i guess beyond that uh we don't Wait, really know yeah, much yeah. about the other dates of the future MCU projects, but we do know that Blade is coming in Phase 5 with Maharshala Ali. Yes! Oh, but you, you, have to, you, have to do, you have to do it how I always hear Chris uh, on these episodes, uh, yeah. Jose. Academy Award winner. Two-time Academy Award winner. Actually, Maharshala Ali. Yeah. Not just two-time, back-to-back. Yeah. That's, That's right. so legendary, actually. I mean, uh, I... I would like to personally deny one of those movies as ever being a thing. But yeah, no, no, back to back, back to back. <laughs> We're going back to back. Yeah, so it's interesting because I guess like the Marvel Netflix TV shows are like being decanonized now because I know Mahershala played like Cottonmouth in that one and now he's Blade. I know like Alfred Woodard could kind of get away with it because she played like a very minor character in Civil War and she had a bigger role in. Uh, Luke Cage, but I guess this one yeah. they're like, nope, forget those existed. Mahershala's Blade now, guys. Someone yeah, yeah, money is anybody really making from Netflix? Like, you can just not give a fuck if you're gonna make like at least three hundred million dollars on a movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah Wait, I, think they... I think basically the Disney Plus shows are gonna be the pretty much only shows. I mean, maybe some of the ABC ones, but for the most part, the Disney Plus shows. My understanding from this weekend is going to be the only shows that are really canon anymore, and all the several Netflix ones are being decanonized. That was my understanding from Feige. That's yeah, definitely what I took that out of. Yeah. yeah. I think exactly. even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is being canceled by, like, next season's going to be the last season. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They had an epic run. 
Yeah. Have they made it official though that they're retconning that? Uh, yeah, no. Feige specifically said that. Like, like that's that's what my understanding was. Well, I, I I know I know that he said I know the one of the things that's been made explicitly clear is that those Disney Plus shows are literally part of Phase Four. They're like on right. they're like on the same level as the movies, and I think yeah, that's yeah, why there's definitely. only five movies because there's also five shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say yeah. though, five movies in two years is not bad. I mean, yeah, it's not. We we usually get six movies in two years, so five is not like a sharp decrease or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um. One thing that I phases. find, yeah, no, true, true. One thing that I do find interesting is, and I had it written here. Um, so if you notice, Agent Carter is the only show that's actually been acknowledged by any of the movies. Yeah, because it was also written by like by Marcus and McFeely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess Jose, are you just opening up to the floor for general thoughts about this upcoming Phase Four slate, or what? Yeah. So I guess like I know in the like phase five and beyond i know uh kevin feige says we will get a new fantastic four that's yes. guardians of the galaxy volume three will be that's coming at some point after james gunn finishes up with the suicide squad sequel uh black panther 2 <laughs> and captain marvel 2 are also on the way and we know that the mutants are going to be involved in some capacity very interesting yes. it's going to be a disney plus show or are they gonna just reboot them completely because i know in an interview he said he wants to do something very different with the x-men so i'm very curious to see what that is actually i'm gonna bring something up real quick they brought up that the fantastic four and x-men are probably gonna be in phase five with blade Mm -hmm. and timeline accordingly i've been writing this story for like the past couple days just like a recap of comic-con so far and this isn't my personal favorite thing i'm not going to get into that right now but um uh i feel like maybe there's going to be like a phase they're going to just lop everything into phase five and start building towards another big event movie possibly Mm -hmm. but and you know what actually i'm going to make this my hot take of the day um conqueror so i'm just saying Yes, we deal with a lot of time, space, and we're getting the Fantastic Four. I'm just saying. Yeah, was he part of the Fox deal? I'm not sure, but if he was, now they got him. I think Kang is primarily Avengers. a Avengers villain, so probably wouldn't have to be. But he does touch in a lot of different people's realms. He's also technically a part of the Young Avengers. He's got weird connections to the Fantastic Four. I think he's technically Nathaniel Richards, a descendant of Reed Richards. Oh, oh my God. Who's just fascinated right. with Victor Von Doom. That might be really wrong, but that could play a role in getting him into the entire thing with the Fantastic Four. Who knows? Who knows? But hot takes are out yeah. there now. We haven't seen Rick Jones yet either, so, you know, anything's possible. Ooh. Yeah. Well, now that you, you brought it up, Chris, you want to roll out your hot takes? That was yeah, a, are we that ready was, for hot okay, takes today? Take of the day. All right. Brandon, want to give us your hot takes? I think that the time skip from Endgame and what we've seen with Spider-Man makes, and as, along with this San Diego Comic-Con uh, slate of characters, makes Miles Morales a lot more likely. Cause we wow, have someone Jane. didn't listen to the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I think it's almost guaranteed. But also, like, 
I think we're gonna get a new Avengers rather than rather than just a young Avengers. But it like because of that, we're gonna have like because we have Jane Foster, we have we're probably getting Miles. I think we're also we know we're getting Fantastic Four and Aven- Fantastic Four and X Men. Um, when Fantastic Four also brings with them both Silver Surfer and Galactus, and I'm holding out hope for Kamala Khan because we know we're getting photons. So I think we're gonna have a giant new Avengers cast. In all honesty, mm-hmm. um, also, well, yeah. Cassie Lang as well. She's gonna. She, I think she's gonna secretly, well, not so secretly, join up with the squad. So you never know. Um, but also, um, so Guardians of the Galaxy three is gonna be coming out, and we still haven't had Adam Warlock, and we've had the the Infinity Stones decimated. What the fuck does Adam Warlock do without the Soul Stone? Hmm. Well, the, they're not decimated. They've just been put back in the correct time zones. No, no, no but but those are the, the Infinity Stones from that timeline. Yeah. yeah. That's actually yeah. a question that I've had for no, a no, little yeah. bit now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon's right. In the present, the the stones are destroyed because Thanos destroyed them. Yeah, in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, oh. that was never that was never undone. All right, Austin, want to give us your hot takes then? I got I got two. Okay. Um, one is I think that they're gonna do an Into the Spider Verse live action movie with Miles Morales, and I think. At, they're gonna bring back Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. In some <laughs> <capacity>. <laughs> Yo, I can't laugh at it because I love it. Okay, okay. I love. I lo- I'm laughing because I love it. This is amazing. Okay, yeah. this is the hottest take of all time. I love this hot take right now. I love it. Austin is not awesome. it So clearly, all my hot take energy is wearing onto him. I love it. <laughs> what I'm proud to be a good influence on his life. Yo. <laughs> Massive. All right, Shavak, can you follow up that micey, that please, spicy hot take? Spicy thing? Please tell me part of your theories are going to be and dunced as well. <laughs> Wait, I got, I got one more take. Oh, go for it, Austin. Woo! I think there's going to be an, a Howard the Duck... TV show and or movie. Okay, actually, that's that's not as hot of a take. <laughs> no, that, that, that's kind of brilliant. That is very brilliant, actually. <laughs> but we'll have the duck takes of the movie from the, the 1989 movie. If Howard the Duck is not involved in any of these what ifs, I'm going to be real pissed off about no, it. How, how, what if, I, I definitely expect one episode, just because it's an animated show anyway, I would not be surprised at all if Howard the Duck is an episode. Yeah. When Howard the Duck meets Howard Stark. <laughs> and don't forget about Howard Potts. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget about Howard Potts. Yeah. Never. All right, Shaval, your hot takes. Okay, my hot take is really going to be about WandaVision. So I think that it's called WandaVision not because of the character vision. Since it is happening after Endgame, my hot take is actually it's called WandaVision because of her ability to create visions, not because of the character vision. I think she's going to be going through the stages of grief, and while she's in denial, she's going to create a fake vision, go uh, have to deal with the consequences of that. It's going to basically be a tragedy, and that's how it's going to lead into Doctor Strange number two. And, and, get this, I also think, because both of these shows are coming out in the spring of 2021, right before the Doctor Strange movie comes out, I also think it's possible that the Loki from the other universe that is the endgame Loki that is the Loki in this show could join our universe through the Doctor Strange multiverse movie. So those are my hot takes. Whoa. 
Damn. Slow down there, cowboy. <laughs> That's just Slow a through line. Yeah. Well yeah. done for your first hot take, Shavah. Yeah, I know. Damn. <laughs> Firing. I don't think that's his first hot take. I think he had some hot takes just steaming, ready. <laughs> Whew, steaming that's like some dumplings and dim sum. Well, for my hot takes, I I feel like I'm mines are not going to be as spicy as guys, but I think we're definitely going to get an A-Force movie down the line, especially with Jane becoming the new Thor now, getting all the single ladies information, getting them right <laughs> again. I like that. <laughs> Let's see, I don't... I'm very. I think we are getting like I think you guys mentioned a lot in the Spider-Man Far From Home episode. I think we are gonna get Craving the Hunter for the next Spider-Man movie. It just makes sense as the next logical villain. And yes. then I think Brandon said like in like maybe Spider-Man Four or Five, we'll get the Sinister Six. Ooh. And maybe just maybe, when Doctor Strange goes into the multiverse, we'll see maybe somebody pop out. Maybe maybe Deadpool. Maybe Ryan Reynolds is like, hey guys, what's up? And then the whole, like, it expands it from there, and that's where we get, like, the X-Men coming into our universe. Well, mm. I don't think you realize, Jose, mm. that if we're really doing the multiverse as it should be, then Detective Pikachu, Ryan Reynolds, should be involved as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree with this take. <laughs> what a twist. That's true. Very twisty. Leave room for a Blastoise at all times. <laughs> Always. Is that owned by Disney? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. no. Okay, for it. Okay. You know, they got money. They got yeah, they're owned by Nintendo. They're Fox. Come on. <laughs> All right. Any other closing remarks before we cap off the episode? Uh, I just want to have it on the record that Taika Waititi is so good, Natalie Portman came back to the Thor series. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was skeptical after Thor 2. was like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. But then she saw Thor Ragnarok. I was like, all right, all right. I'm in you. Quality movie. I don't know. <laughs> all right. I'll do it. Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. Um, Shiva, I I really I like your take about the um the Scarlet Witch scenario because that kind of reminds me of House of M, which I actually thought was going to be something they would do as an event movie in like Phase Five or Six. But I like that that take you have about Wandavision. That's really interesting, and now I'm curious if that's the direction they're actually going to go. I appreciate to hear that, but I have to admit that as someone who less up on my comics knowledge i actually don't even know what house of n is <laughs> so I'll, I'll i can explain that off air unless y'all think i should really talk about it now because i know we're i mean i can explain it in five seconds actually yeah chris you're the x-men person go for it wanda loses her mind and breaks the world and makes mutants the dominant species and yeah magneto owns an entire country uh, I think that's the best way to explain that without mm. getting too particular and people start to realize what's happened so they try to change it without realizing who actually changed it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, it's also really sad. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if all that will happen but, but yeah. mutants haven't been introduced yet but I will definitely say that, that I, I do expect a tragedy out of this WandaVision. Yeah, and I think that's a nice way to like from, like tune that into Doctor Strange 2 and how that's going to be like a, almost like a horror movie. In a way, so yeah, that could yeah. be that, like at least the Wanda part of House of M could be could be a way their way in. Yeah, yeah. and also probably why Doctor Strange is even involved in the first place, or why she's part of Doctor Strange, because maybe she's trying to learn how to regain control of her abilities, like she does in the comics. She does train with with Doctor Strange at some point. And you know, the one thing that interesting that they can conf- uh, are wondering is that you know how they confirm Monica Rambeau for 
uh, WandaVision, but they did not confirm Monica Rambeau for Doctor Strange. So I wonder what's going to happen to her character. I think they're going to save her for Captain Marvel 2. Yeah, she just goes off into space to find Carol. Interesting. Oh, she's going to leave in the middle of the show, yeah. Mm. Interesting. All right. So I think we've got we got quite the wrap up for Endgame. We gave it our best hot takes, our spices yet. We have a very interesting future ahead for the MCU. And yeah, thanks for joining you guys. Thank you. And and Shiva, thanks for, for thanks for joining as well, man. Yeah, yeah. thanks oh, for joining, man. Thanks Always for having a pleasure. Me. Really appreciate it. All right. And Nerd and Craft Nation signing off in three, two, one. Hey everyone, this is Chris with the fact checking. Black Widow died in the film, not Hawkeye. But the two founding Avengers will return in future MCU projects as discussed in the episode. The location of the Power Stone was Morag, not Xandar. The full title of the next Doctor Strange movie is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be ending after its next season on ABC. Thor has a healthy villain catalog including Fafnir, Mangog, The Enchantress, and The Enchanters 3, plus solo missions against different Avengers villains over the years. Kang the Conqueror is allegedly a Reed Richards descendant, but it's never really clarified in the comics. Just hinted at. Thanks for listening, and now back to Jose. And that's our show. Nerfcrad Nation is a production of Rising Young Minds, hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Bannon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. Special thanks to our guest, Shiva Nagarajan. If you'd like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NerfCraftNation or subscribe on our Your Podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. Hello, and welcome to NerfCraft Nation. In, these, in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the now highest grossing movie of all time, Avengers Endgame, and what's next for the MCU. Join us as we assemble to talk about what comes next. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host for this episode, Jose Lopez. And with me, as always, we have Austin Butler. Austin Butler. Brandon Cassily. Yep, I'm and, here. And Chris Walker. Wait, who's, who's Austin? Who's Austin Butler? <laughs> oh, fuck, Austin Hall. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting kind of one. Imposter syndrome? <laughs> Should I come you trying out? to give him imposter syndrome? God dang it, Jose. <laughs> this will be in the blooper reel. <laughs> okay, Say that for the rich kid from USC. <laughs> can I restart then? Yeah, go for it. Okay. We'll cut this from editing. I'm sorry, oh. Austin. <laughs> I got my Austin's confused. <laughs> Who's Austin Butler? Now I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's the cat playing Elvis. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Why the fuck did I think it's that Austin? Okay. Oh my god. Okay. I'll save my joke for later. <laughs> okay. All lot. right. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Legends, high school musical jokes on this episode now. Thanks. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. All right. All right.
Starting again from scratch. Okay. Zero one and one's coming back. So I should restart my recording, obviously, right? No, 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 no. Keep just keep it running. We'll cut it. Oh, really? Oh, okay, okay. Thank God. Oh shit! I would start restarting, but. Well, Jose, the funniest thing to me is that I don't even know Austin's last name since I just met him, and even I could tell in his voice that he was extremely confused. And he kept going. Yeah, you were like, he was like, this is normal. Yep. Yeah, you were like, we're just gonna pump ah. this out. <laughs> Wait, no, Austin we should have ran with this. Had Austin bought Austin Butler, the actor, on everything. Use it, use it as a blooper. You know what? I might just do that. I might just use it as, as like a blooper. All right, everybody, everybody, stop your recording real quick. Wait, really? Wait, wait are you serious? Yes, I'm dead serious. Okay, keep okay. this. Just keep this. Okay, I'm gonna stop. This is it right gold. Now. This is gold. Right. Okay, might have stopped. I'm also gonna turn off the Craig bot and start it over. Yeah, yeah. So just start it over. Yeah, yeah, that's just a good idea. Yeah, because otherwise, I feel like we're all just gonna be out of sync now.